see me all right here? Yeah? Okay, cool. Then here I will be. Praise God. Well, it's a joy to be with you. And um, always a joy to come and uh, just spend some time with you guys. I always love the worship of this house. The worship's so strong, isn't it? You know, when you guys get into worship straight away. It's like, you know, I travel a lot of churches and sometimes um, the worship kind of starts with the last song. But that's not what happens here. I love, I love the, the ferocity that you guys, it's like from the moment you start to worship him, you're in worship. And uh, that's awesome. And it's just a joy to be with you guys. And uh, we're, we know we're praying for you. You keep praying for us. There's a job to be done in England, amen. And uh, I believe we're coming into it interesting times. You know, not times to worry about, but interesting times where we see the Lord release the church on the world. And um, that's what I'm really believing for. You know, I oversee a number of churches. And uh, my prayer is, Lord, we want to see a move of the Spirit that doesn't just make us feel good in meetings, but mobilizes us to see a dying world. Um, If the church has got it right all these years, then why is so much of the country not saved, you know? We need a move of the Spirit that's not saying, let us love our meetings, Rather, let us enjoy our meetings. But Lord, let us be mobilised. Let us be mobilised. You know, when I was driving here tonight, I was, I was thinking of a message that I'm going to be sharing in Portsmouth uh, on Sunday. But I kept seeing this image. And I believe it's the success of your house as it is the, su- the success of our house. I saw a man, and in one hand he had one lady, and in the other hand he had a- another lady. And he was balancing these ladies correctly. And when I looked at the ladies, it was Mary and Martha. But we read that account where Jesus went to the home of Mary. The response of Mary and Martha are very different to each other. And uh, it's amazing that the two responses of Mary and Martha represent two responses within all of us. And they also represent two responses that are common in the house of God within the church. But in us sometimes there can be a Mary or a Martha. Mary's the, the bit that wants to just sit at his feet. You know, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup. I don't care if anybody else is out there. This is me. It's all about my proximity to Christ. And then you have Martha. She's the bit within us that says, love to be able to do that. No one's serving in the church. No one's serving. No one's getting this stuff. I've got a list of 20 jobs. And we've all got a bit of Mary and Martha in us. We do. And what I find when I'm dealing with people is, but if you have this little chart, Mary one and Martha the other, you can almost locate a person pretty quickly. But if they're more Mary than Martha or more Martha than Mary. And I do that with my own life. But it's amazing that also in churches you can have this Mary-Martha thing going on. And I've not even preached this in Portsmouth yet, so if it's wrong, hey, we'll, we'll all be in this moment together. But um, in churches it's amazing that we can have Marys and Marthas. And Marys are... That wiring of person that just, again, wants proximity with Christ. I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to worship. Meanwhile, just like in the story of Jesus, there's always a Martha in the kitchen. And um, Martha must have been a real funny woman. eh? Because she she had attitude. She did. Because she says to Jesus, I'd like to be at your feet. But ain't no food coming if I'm at your feet. And And she says to Jesus, tell her. And Jesus says, and this is where Mary's base, they're never going to do anything ever again on this pit. <laughs> oh, she's chosen the best bit. 
Yeah, for the moment you're in, not for the rest of your life. This wasn't her lifetime calling. She'd chosen the right bit at that moment. But you know what? We need Mary and Martha in our life, and we need Mary and Martha in the church. Otherwise, we can have all this stuff that we're hearing God say, but if we haven't got enough hands to do it, we can't fulfill what's on the heart of the Lord. I was sharing that in power. I was highly enraged recently when I was in a church in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the pastor was struggling with some issues that they didn't have enough workers in the church. And the church wasn't looking at a dying world in a correct way. Because tonight, before we finish this service, people will die and go to heaven or hell. That's the reality. That's not like, I'm not trying to ruin your night. That's the reality. Um, But this church I was in, it's like they didn't care. And the pastor said to some of the leaders, listen, we want to get involved with... um, Uh, getting people saved, uh, reaching out to the community, getting church ready for visitors. And some of the leaders turned to him and said, no, no, we don't want that. We just want to sit on Papa Papa God's lap. And what they said next is what annoyed me the most. They said, oh, we spoke to the Lord and he said evangelism is works. And I'm like, what? They said, no, 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 we just got to sit on Daddy's lap. I mean, to me... What that makes me think is how dumb can you be and still manage to breathe? Seriously. Because if you're going to be sitting on Papa God's lap or Jesus' lap and your head's going to be snuggled in to God's chest, you're going to hear his heartbeat, right? Guess what the heartbeat of God is? Souls. 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 So it's good that we have a Mary bit to us that loves to sit in close proximity to Christ. That's, that's as we should. But what I'm really seeing in the churches I'm leading and the things I'm seeing in England is we almost need a day of Martha. You know, it is the season to be Mary. That's a Christmas song, isn't it? Um, but we need a season where we see Martha begin to say, all right, come on, let's begin to serve like we've never served. Let's, you know... And, and all the Marys hate this message, but all the Marthas love it. So even looking at your faces, I can tell you who's a Mary and a Martha right now. With no prophecy involved at all. Because the Marys are like, no. no. The Marthas are like, come on, come on. You know? Anyway, that's enough trouble there. Um, hey, can I grab one of my books? We've got a new book which has come out. And uh, I had like seven messages to preach tonight. And I was like, Lord, but which one? And I was like, but that one. Oh, but Lord, and I've, I've rested on, on this one. Bring, bring me three, Hannah, if you could. Um, because I really believe before we do anything for God, we've got to be alive. Before we do anything for God, we have to be alive. And we have to know that we're alive. So we need to have an incredible understanding that we are alive. That we were once dead, but now we've been made alive together with him. Because if the church doesn't know it's alive, you can't ask something that's dead to do something. But when the church knows it's alive, so we need a revelation that we're alive. Not just an understanding, yeah, I read John 3, a man must be born again. No, no, not enough. We need a revelation that we're forgiven, 
We're no longer dead. We're no longer separated. Now, I've got this book, and, and I'm, I promise you, I'm not like on a book tour. I wasn't even going to preach on this tonight. Um, it was just, as I was thinking, well, we, it's pointless talking about Mary and Martha or the early church if we're not alive with the breath of God. So, so we need to always be living in the good of what God's done. There's a verse I've always loved in the Bible, and it's like a little riddle. I've probably preached it to you before, where Paul says this, let the man who says he knows, let him know he doesn't know as he should. It's like a little riddle, isn't it? You expect a little like, do-do-do-do. It's like almost mystical, isn't it? Let the man. It's almost like it should be said with like an Asian voice, shouldn't it? Or like a Japanese. Let a man who will say he knows. Let him know. I've got a Korean pastor, and he hates it when I go into my kind of um, oriental stage, you know. But it, it sounds like, let a man who say he knows. Let him know he doesn't know as he ought. But you know, that's all of us. We all run around saying we know stuff. We're good at that. Oh, man, I'm guilty of that more than any other. Well, I'm a Pentecostal. I've been saved all these years. I've been in ministry for 20 odd, 25, 20, 30 years. I know this. I know. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says to me, but do you know? Do you know in a way that it's affecting your life? Do you know in a way that it's affecting lives around you? Because what we know about God should be expressed in and through our lives. Otherwise, what we say we know, we don't know as we should. If we say we know we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit should be ever developing in our lives. The gifts of the Spirit should be in operation. Not on the stage through the lives of a few, but in the life of every believer that says, I know I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's cheap, isn't it? Oh, I know I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but are you living in the good of that? Are you experiencing the life of that? Well, I know that I'm born again, that I was dead and God's given me new life. Yeah, but are you living in the good of that? Or are you still panting like Adam, who was separated from God? Oh, well, I know that I was in Adam and now I'm in Christ. These are great statements, aren't they? But the Lord wants to make them more than statements. He wants to make them revelations. Because it's not what we know here that's going to change anything. It's what we know here. It's what my mum used to call, she's in glory now, but my mum used to call it a Noah. She used to say, this is a Noah. She said, we're mama Noah in a Noah. We're mama knows in a Noah. It's a done deal. And I thank God that I had an incredible spiritual mum. But when she knew in a Noah, it was a done deal. She knew I was coming back to God in a Noah. I didn't stand a chance. There was me backsliding my best declaring I would never return, I would never step back into church. But Mama knew in her Noah that the Lord had said to her, both your sons will be taught of God and great will be their peace. You know? So we've got to, we've got to be Noahs. And I love this, Ephesians 2, 1, 6. It's such a good, rich chapter. But in it, it basically says that we were who were dead, he's made alive. Isn't that awesome? But we who were dead, he's made alive. We who were separated have now been rejoined. We who were disqualified have now become qualified. We who were dead in our sins and our trespasses, he has made alive, has, present tense, made alive with him, forgiving 
all of our sins. How good is that verse? Well, it's good to know, but it's better to live in the good of it. See, you live in the good of it tomorrow morning. When you wake up and you go, I'm no longer dead. I'm alive. I'm no longer separated. I'm rejoined. It's no longer I that live, but now Christ's life that lives in me. So we need to always make sure we're just not settling for a knowing in our head, but a deep knowing in our heart. And I believe when we pray, the Holy Spirit gives that. When we say, Holy Spirit, I don't just want to know in my head. Let me know. Let me know. That's where the Holy Spirit who's in us, amen, helps to move things a couple of foot to where knowing needs to be. So I was away during the summer, and this is where the the new book, Breathe Again, came from. And on the front it says, how to experience the life of God here on earth. That's what we need, right? It's not how can we do church even better. It's how can people experience the life of God on earth. Because when people experience the life of God on earth, that's when we change the earth. When we know we're alive to God. When we know we were dead, but now we're alive. We were sinners, but now we're saints. We were saved by grace, that salvation was a gift, and we could never have earned it. When we know those things, we can't stay silent, we can't stay contained. We stop making the church a building and a service, and it becomes the people who have been called out of darkness into light, that are the church 24-7. All those things suddenly come alive, and we're like, well, what have we been doing the last few years? We were asleep. That's what we were doing. But the alarm clock's going off. Amen. Now, I was away. I went away for four weeks off last summer. And me and Gina had been married. That's my wife, if you don't know. Uh, Me and Gina had been married 25 years. It's quite self-explanatory, really, isn't it? If we've been married 25 years, it's my wife. I think we all would have got that on our own, (laughs) wouldn't we? Um, I've got five beautiful kids. One of them just turned 21. So it was a time in life where we were celebrating a lot of stuff. So we went off for four weeks to, I'm always preaching in America, but never looking around when I'm doing it, because if my wife ain't there, I don't want to sightsee, I want to do what God wants me to do and get home, you know, and so we were taking some time just to look around, and it started, some friend of ours set us up in this beautiful cabin in the middle of nowhere, it was upstate New York, New York has the city and New York has upstate, upstate New York's the same size as England, and it's all hills and country, and it's beautiful, and our friends had given us this Airbnb cabin for a few nights and I was like right um, I'm quite a driven man so the first morning I was up I was like right here we go right all right Lord let's do business the birds were singing I was like that's beautiful that is got my coffee let's get on with work how are we going to change England Lord what do you want me to do what do you need me to change and it was like the Lord was saying I'm not playing and I was sitting there on the porch idyllic with squirrels with chipmunks I'm like come on Lord speak to me speak to me it worked when I've done it before but this time it was like God was saying I ain't playing I said, no, no, come on, seriously, Lord, all right, I'll repent of this. And I was repenting of stuff I haven't even done. Just to try and clear the head. And, you know, I was like, I was, I was repented for what that guy did, and I was near him. You know, um, and it was like, God. And then the Lord asked me a question. He says, he said, are you breathing correctly? My response was, well, I've been doing it for 53 years. I'm pretty good at it. Never really had too many issues. And they said, are you breathing correctly? And this question kept coming. And then came the next question. Are you breathing like I designed you to breathe? 
And I went, right, now you've got my interest. And of course, everything we know about the design of God is seen in Adam. Before his fall. Everything we want to know about the design of God, we see in Adam. And we see in the second Adam for our redemption. And so I went back to Genesis and I said, this is a good question. And suddenly the Lord began to speak to my heart and show me that I was born again. I was saved. I was washed by the blood of the Lamb. But to be truthful, I wasn't breathing any different now in the pace of my life, in being self-sufficient, in taking care of myself than what I was before I was born again. I was still stressed. Not as much. I was still anxious. I was still carrying cares. Then I suddenly realized, hold on, wait a moment. If we're born again, our lives should be radically different to those who aren't. Come on, otherwise it's just a religious theory. And we're not living in the good of it. And the Lord really began to challenge me. And it's amazing. It's not till you stop you realize that you needed to, right? Like I said, I'm a driven guy. I've got quite a large capacity, not just for food, but for work. And, and, and it wasn't until I stopped that I suddenly went, whoa, I've been running at quite a pace emotionally, mentally, physically, and all of the above. I mean, Gina always says to me, why do you set things up one after another? I said, I, just, I can't help it. I mean, literally, I was on the streets of Mardi Gras, preaching on the streets of Mardi Gras, two days before we started in power conference. And Gina was like, well, why do you do it? I said, they wouldn't change Mardi Gras dates for me. So <laughs> I had to just get out there, you know. But it was when I stopped, I suddenly realized, you know what? I don't know how sustainable this is. Because some of the driving inside of me wasn't just about the things I was doing. It was the pace I was living at. And it was like the Lord said, stop. And I started to look at Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, two different experiences of life. In the beginning, God makes man. He makes man in his own image. I, I don't know what it's like that moment when Adam was enamored. He was just an object made of dust. And then there's that moment when God goes and breathes his life, his spirit in to this model. And this model made of dust opened his eyes, his heart began to pump, and he became a living being that was made in the image of God. That's what happened in the book of Genesis. It's not a fairy tale. It's real. And then it says he was positioned in the garden. He had a job to do. Some Christians hate that thought, don't they? They're like, you know, let me get to heaven so I'm going to be a fat angel playing a harp. No, no, no. No, no, no. Heaven's not like that. Sorry to ruin your dreams. Heaven's not like that. You're not going to float around on a, a cloud. People are going to rule over cities. There's going to be stuff to do. And the job you get there will be dependent of what you did here. I thought I'd throw that in. Just throw that in. Throw that in, you know. Throw it in, you know. Martha here. Mary there. Mary here. Anyway, moving on. Because I can see some people don't like that. They don't like that. Adam's working, but he's fulfilled in what he's doing. He's living in the providence of God. What does that mean? He's never once thought, I've got to protect myself. Not once. Because he was born to someone who had protected him. He never worried about his provision. You didn't see Adam wake up like, we wake up, how am I going to make ends meet what, what, when I'm 60? Uh, have I got a pension? Uh, if I haven't got a pension, how am I going to live? Will my kids take care of me? Adam, that's not Adam in Genesis 2. He's fulfilled and he's doing what he was made to do. He's experiencing shared life with God. There's one life. 
The spirit and the life of God was now in Adam. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit with the Lord. He was one spirit with God. God's life was his life. When God breathed, Adam breathed. They shared life. Now, how many people know God's never stressed? He's never anxious. He doesn't do that because he doesn't need to. And then suddenly, the bad bit. The apple, the snake, boo, baddie, pantomime. And the result of the disobedience, it wasn't the apple. The tree represented access to spiritual life. You know, sometimes it was a tree. It it doesn't matter. What it represented was access to spiritual life. And the moment Adam disobeyed and he chose his will, he put self over God. He was separated. And you know, through Genesis, he goes through a gateway. And the gateway is guarded by an angel. It's a one-way. And that day, he dies, according to God. Yet he lives on physically and mentally. He has children. And it looks like nothing's changed, but everything had changed. Because you see, the reason he couldn't come back into Eden was he was now contaminated. He was dead. And he couldn't have access to the life of God because of what was in him now through what he'd done in his disobedience. The good news is God always had a plan. But look at the life of Adam. Genesis 2, what a life. Genesis 3, the sweat of your brow is now how you will live until you die and return to the dust. Thorns are now your poor. Everything changed. This is the moment Adam stopped living off of the life of God and entered into a sentence of mere existence. That's what he had. Now, if all you've ever had is mere existence, mere existence is pretty good. It's like if you've never been in a real helicopter... A simulated helicopter feels real. Adam wasn't living like he lived before. Now he had to take care of his life. He had to worry about things. He had anxieties. He had fears. And guess what? It wasn't just him because we were all in him. The human race was in him. Two dead parents can't give birth to a living one. We were all born in the death of Adam. We were born in the separation of Adam. We were all born naturally by first birth into the mere existence that humanity knows outside of God. But the good news is, the moment that God's throwing them out of the garden, he's got a plan to bring them back. And his plan was to provide another door. The door would be Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said, I am the door. But he also said this, if you read on, you know, I am the door. But then he says, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. I have come that you would have life. Now the word life, all of you guys know, is the word zoe. It's not bios. Jesus wasn't saying, I've come in that you would have life to those who are already alive. That would be like insanity. I've come to give you bios when you've already got bios. I've come to give you natural life when you've already got natural life. It's like... No, what Jesus was saying was, oh, I've come to give you the life that Adam first knew. I've come to plug you back in. I've come to rejoin you. I've come to make that which was dead in Adam come alive in me. That's powerful, eh? See, it's the living in the good of this stuff. That's why when the Lord was speaking to us, I've got to put this in a book. I've got to progressively write this in a book. When you go through the book, every chapter is progressively. It leads into the benefit of this is, the benefit of this is. It's not like seven random messages or anything like that. Now, the redemption of Christ brings us 
And this is the way I've termed it in the book. And I didn't know whether to call the book Breathe Again. I had another title that I was battling with, and it was called Eden Now. So I put a chapter in it called Eden Now, and that made me be able to sleep at night because I thought, well, we've got it in there somewhere, you know. Because I'm quirky like that. I'm like, I'll stay up for two nights thinking, Eden now, breathe again. Eden now, breathe again. Eden now. I'll do that. That's me. That's the way I'm wired. And uh, so after two nights of no sleeping, I just said, right, we're going to go with this, you know. Now, bear with me. In Adam, Mark 1, we in him were removed. His disobedience was our disobedience. His mere existence became our mere existence. When Adam left Eden, it was, he was born into natural life. Because prior to that, he was joined to an umbilical cord with God. He was in the womb of God. God's life was his life. He lived in his providence, right? So to me, the gate of Eden was like the hand of a midwife. I don't think midwives are allowed to do this now, are they? But I was subject to the hand of a midwife. Anyone else over 40 or so? You know, if you came out and you weren't speaking or whining <laughs> to get a response. Sometimes you have to do that in church to get a response. Are you joking? Are you joking? That's a joke. And what's wrong with you all? That's a joke. It's been funny. Well, obviously not that funny. Um, so when Adam was thrown out of Eden, boom, Eden became the hand of a midwife that said, now breathe for yourself. Now, I'm laying that because if everything that Christ did redeemed what Adam did, we're really in a good place today, aren't we? Think about it. Because you have to lay what we lost to understand what we win back. You've got to understand what was stolen to understand what was retrieved. You can't celebrate what's been retrieved unless you know what's been stolen. Until we know how dead we were, we won't know how alive we now are. And we don't have to threaten people, hey, give your life to Jesus and go to hell. It's a much better invitation. Give your life to Jesus and you'll come alive. You'll come alive like you've never come alive. You'll come alive on the inside like you never imagined. The third part of the triune you will begin to click. And you will feel alive. That's a better invitation. I'd give my life to somebody, uh, to Jesus, if that was offered me. I mean, what was offered me was... You know, the thief in the night stuff. I, I gave my life to Christ because I was terrified. I was, like, I was like, oh my goodness, if he comes tonight, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, I'm in, you know. I'd much rather someone said to me, would you like to be a part of a kingdom now? Would you like to receive a kingdom? Would you like the life of God to be yours? Right now, one prayer, it's yours. I would have been, yeah, you're kidding me, I'm in. Right, wouldn't you? See, this has got to be our evangelism. We're not, we're not, it doesn't say go into the world and threaten everyone. Just go into the world and let them know what they're missing in this life and the one to come. I'm not waiting to go to heaven and enjoy the life of God. I've got it right here, right now, and the Bible says I have, and you do too. Now, okay, if Adam was born out of the womb of God and into mere existence by disobedience, and we went into disobedience because we were in the first man, Adam, the Bible recognizes a second Adam, the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Now, stay with me. If... If we came out in Adam 1, we come back in in Adam 2. Unless we don't believe in 100% redemption. And anyone that's read their Bible, you know you do. Because we've preached it for years. I actually don't believe in 100% redemption. Do you know that? I did until I was writing the book. And then I got messed up. Because for years I preached 100% redemption, which says... Everything that was lost by Adam 
was restored by Christ. Not 95%, otherwise the work of Satan through the Adam, Mark 1, was better than what God did through Christ. But then all of a sudden I'm reading my Bible and I, I suddenly realised, hold on, no, 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 Jesus didn't match pound for pound. He brought us into a whole new arena. Because you see, Adam walked on the earth because Satan was thrown down to the earth to test the hearts of men. God walked on the earth with Adam. Right? We all agree with that? Yeah? Adam was, Eden was a physical place. Now the Bible says that in Christ, we are now seated in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Adam never knew heavenly places. So what if, members of the jury, Christ didn't just restore us 100% to an Eden existence, not physical place, a state of being, here and now, in your busy life. But he also took us where Adam hadn't yet been. And he seated us in himself in heavenly places. Where's that in the Bible? You will rule and reign in and through the one Christ Jesus. You can't rule and reign unless you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. If you're ruling and reigning from the earth, you have no different authority than anyone else on the earth. He brought us through, restored us. Everything Adam did wrong became right. And then he seated us in himself. Isn't that awesome? So there you go. But the question still remains, are we living in the good of this? Because God wants you to. That's why I wrote a book about it. Because I didn't want it to be a 40-minute sermon. I wanted people to read this and ask themselves, am I living in the good of this? Because the Bible says that we are now back in Eden, not the physical garden, but the state of being, the same quality of life that God intended for the first man, is ours today. But most Christians I'm meeting these days... They love God, but they're still living this side of Eden. They're still living in Genesis 3. When the Bible says everything was restored in Christ. Now to me, that's not a gimme gimme gospel. It's, this is what blesses my heart. Wait a moment. Adam walked with God in the cool of his day. That's the bit that excites me the most. I can walk with God in the cool of my day. I can know the voice of God in the cool of my day. I don't need to just go to church to hear God. I can know God on my Wednesday, on my Tuesday, on my Thursday. If I'm conscious of him, if I practice his presence, if I acknowledge I've been restored and I've been redeemed, but my life is now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but everything that blocked our communication has been healed. I have been healed, but he has redeemed me. That means today I can know his providence, which means... I can cast my cares upon him because he now careth for me. Now, was Jesus exaggerating when he said that or did he mean it? Was, I mean, was Jesus one of his preachers that exaggerated? He kind of got into a bit of a preach and promised everyone everything but didn't mean it? No. He said, come to me. He didn't say die, go to heaven and experience it. He said, come to me all who are weary. And heavy laden. And I'll join you to my church and I'll wear you out, burn you out. And you'll think, I never knew what it was to be tired. And No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say, come to me all who are weary and I'll fry you. He said, I'll give you rest. Rest for what? Rest for your weary soul. You see, the rest we need isn't outside of us, it's in us. 
And we don't get rest until we stop striving to be saved when we are saved. We stop striving to be loved when we are loved. And we stop try, striving to make miracles happen when Jesus said, you sit in the armchair of faith and make me, you watch me take care of this one. Right? Hebrews 4, one of my favorite chapters. There now remains a rest for the people of God. But you have to cease from your labors like he ceased from his. Because if he's seated, what are you doing standing up? If he ceased from his labors, what are you doing standing up? Because if he ain't standing, it's either because he's lazy or he's finished. He finished what he came to do. He restored us back to what Adam knew. How powerful is that? But it's got to be more than a message, Life Church. It's got to be more than a message. It's got to be something that irritates you. I, I, I want this to keep you awake tonight. I want my preaching to annoy you, to, to, to annoy you, to, to, to make you go, but if life's in me, why am I not experiencing it? Good question. Good question. Good question. Ask it again. Ask it again. Ask it till you get the answer. Because the life of God is no longer external to us because we're born again. You know what I love the picture of new birth is that when Adam the second, us, came back into Eden because everything was repaired that had caused them to be thrown out. All right, if Adam leaving the garden was like him leaving the womb and breathing for himself, what's the reverse maneuver of that? Isn't it the sons and daughters of Adam leaving mere existence and coming back in to a joining with God where he breathes, we breathe. He's our provider. He's our protector. We now live within the womb of his promises. That doesn't mean we're lazy. It means that we know he now cares for us. Cast your cares upon him because he, if somebody joins my household, they come under my care. Right? They come under my care. And I could say to them, if you're adopted or whatever, you haven't got to worry like you worried before because I now care for you. Amen. Come on, we've got to let this drop in our heart. All who are weary, heavy laden, come to me. You will find rest for your I care for you. All right? Now, let me just round it up with this. Jesus believed this even if we didn't. Oh, I've got so much I could share, but let me just grab a couple of bits to close. One of my favorite moments in writing the book was when I read John 20, verse 22. Because you haven't got to turn there. Listen, let me, let me tee this up. This is awesome. You'll know it when I'm talking about it. The son never did anything he didn't see the father do. Whatever you see the father do, you see the son do. Whatever you see the son do, you see the father do. All right, Genesis. He grabs the earth of the ground that's lifeless in its own right forms it, and breathes his life in and says, receive my spirit. That which was dead came to fullness of life. All right, John 20, 22. After Jesus had risen from the dead before he ascended, he came to his followers. He never laid hands on them. It says, and he breathed on them and said, receive my spirit. He did exactly what the father did in the garden because the men he was blowing on were as dead 
as Adam was before the Spirit of God came on them. But that moment, they were alive. You see, because they weren't born again yet, because he hadn't yet died on a cross and ascended. And it hadn't yet happened. But when he breathed on me, he said, it was like that moment. To me, it's like I see two moments at once. I see Adam in the garden in the hand of God going, beholding his maker. And I see the disciples going, something just changed. We became triune in experience. Something's changed. Now, they didn't get up the next morning and go, well, that was a nice meeting last night, wasn't it? They lived in the good of it. And that's why I keep preaching this tonight. You've got to live in the good of it. You've got to live in the good of it. It took, you, took me 54 years, or, well, when I got saved, I was about 40. Well, I don't know, but it took me a lot of years to learn to breathe mere existence. Now I've got to re-educate myself. I'm no longer separated. I'm no longer my own protector or provider. I'm no longer self-sufficient. I've ended my independence. I'm now dependent on him. His life is my life. Let me give you a few verses just to finish. Because guess what? God wants you to enjoy this life. Now, I know there's some stuff, persecution and all that. I get all that. But God wants you to enjoy this life. But until you change your experience of it, you won't. So I'm in this cabin, and all of a sudden the Lord's beginning to speak to me about this stuff. I'm looking around. There's birds, there's bees, there's chipmunks. I mean, to me... I don't hear chipmunks. I hear my neighbours arguing. That's my life, normal. Where I live in Portsmouth, I'm in a city. I mean, I'm sitting on this porch and I'm hearing, like, birds. Me, I'm like, well, normally I hear, shut up, you idiot, from next door, you know? (laughs) Or motorway traffic. That's what I normally hear, depending which way the wind's blowing. I'm in a city. I'm in a city, lad. And I'm here, like, there's birds. I'm, I'm almost feeling poetic, it's that good, you know? So a couple of days later, we left the cabin and I went to the White House on the way just to have a look around, say hi to Donald and all that good stuff, you know? <laughs> and, um, hey, that got a response. That got one of the best responses of the evening. That was like the Mary Martha question again, you know? Is he Donald? Is he not? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> not going to tell. <laughs> going to leave you guessing. But on the way to the White House, you have to go on a road called the New Jersey Turnpike. The New Jersey Turnpike is grey, concrete, buildings, abandoned cars, smog, factories, weeds. And suddenly I'm sitting on this this interstate, looking around. And I had an incredible moment of revelation. I looked back to the morning when I was sitting on the porch and I went, the life that God made. And then I looked around at this concrete jungle and I went, and here we have the one that Adam made. I prefer that one. Oh, you'll have that one when you get to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus died for me to have it here. And I can live in a city. I can do two jobs at once. I can handle situations because I know his life now joined to mine. When others are breaking, I will not break. When others are stressing, I will not stress. Why? Because I'm no longer outside of Eden. Eden isn't something I come into when I die. It came, I came into it when I died. Romans 6, when I died, I came back into Eden. So many Christians are waiting to die so they can enjoy God. Why don't you enjoy him now? 
Well, when one day when I get to heaven, I'll fly away, oh glory. Open the window, let them out. They don't even like being here. Let them go home, Father. They're just about, they hate being here. Let them be with you. They're getting in my way anyway. Come on, I want to know life here. I want to, with every situation, with everything, going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to live in the good of what Christ did for me. I'm going to live in the good of that redemption. I'm going to live in the good of being rejoined, born of the Spirit. I am one spirit with the Lord. Not on Sunday and on Wednesday night. Every night, I can walk with God in the cool of my day. I can walk with my God. I can know His love. I can know His power. If I can't know His power, why is He asking? me to go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover this is me i'm not i'm not attending i'm joined you can have joy in your heart well i'm not sure about that joy well it's a fruit of the spirit read your bible joy is a fruit of the spirit i don't want to be happy well i pray that you don't have a choice and it overwhelms you when you're asleep because you should be happy it's a fruit of the spirit well i'm not sure about that well the kingdom is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost we can keep on looking at what god wants you to do but i want to be miserable well we don't want you to be miserable anymore we want you to be joyful not happiness, joy, joy. Sometimes, if I could tell you some of the things me and my wife have been through in the last 18 months, you'd say, you should be crying. No, I've got the joy of the Lord. I've got the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. But you see, the things of the Spirit are not out here to me, they're in here. I'm not visiting a performance, the performance is in me. And it's in you. We've got to live in the good. We've got to live in the good. Is that annoying anyone yet? We've got to live in the good. Yes. All right. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all who are weary. I'll give you rest. Matthew six twenty five. I always give Jesus a little bit of an Italian voice here. Don't worry about it. Come on. Was he making that chapter up? Was he making that chapter up? I mean, he doesn't say it once. He says it like three or four times, doesn't he? He's like about it he said oh the heathen worry about those things this is Jesus preaching not Andy Elms he says look at the birds of the air they're doing alright you see them stressing out my dog Bonnie is 13 years old I wake up in the morning she lays on the couch I've never once seen her look at me and go am I going to be fed today how am I going to get my food never my big fat white Westie just sits there knowing that it's living in my providence don't worry about it now, did Jesus say that or not? About what you're going to wear? Don't worry about it. Well, you can don't, don't worry about it. The ungodly strive over such things. You seek first the kingdom. And I will give you everything they're dying to get. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yep, experienced that for the first 24 years of my life. But I have come to give you life. Not by us. That was given you by your natural birth. Zoe. Zoe, you know what Zoe is. The Bible says it's the God kind of life, or the same quality of life that God enjoys himself. Now, like I said, I had five kids. Well, Gina did all the hard work. I was there. I, I, was, there. I was holding her hand. Go on, girl. Go on, girl. I'm with you. You are not alone. She hit me. And, you know, not a time to have jokes with your wife you know, when they're having children. 
you know what I loved was the doctor would say, come and hear the heartbeat. But the child wasn't breathing air like we breathe it. It was living from an umbilical cord. Its mother provided everything. Yet when I heard the heartbeat, I knew the baby was alive. But it wasn't breathing like I knew breathing to be because it hadn't yet been born. What if? When Jesus said, you must be born again, it was more profound than we'd known. That your rebirth was actually you born back into union with the life of God, where his life is now your life. And you can draw upon his life any day, any moment. You can draw upon the fruit of the Spirit. You can draw upon the things of the Spirit. Not just in meetings when we're having good worship, but tomorrow when there's not a lot of people around you encouraging you to praise Him. You know what happens? And this is what's happened for me. My walks with God in the garden have become more special to me than my time in church with others. And that's what God wants for us. And my time in church with others is improved and empowered because of my time alone with him. All right. Eden now. Eden now. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest for your weary soul. I have come that you might have life, and life in all abundance. Oh, the thief came. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that you would have life. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, who was not yet given because Christ was not yet glorified. Newsflash, Christ is glorified. The Spirit has been given. So out of your innermost being, you can know rivers of living water if you, if you want to. You've just got to take the cork out of the bowl. How do we take the cork out of the bowl? By agreeing with the truth of what God says he's done. Well, I don't feel it. Well, God's not asking you how you feel. That's far too much of that going on in the modern church. I'm just not feeling it. God's, God's not asking you how you feel. He's asking you to obey the truth. Oh, yeah, but I, I, I went to my pastor and I said, I'm just not feeling like I want to do... No one feels like they want to do a whole lot of stuff. My, my kids don't feel they want to do any chores. But Andy hath need of him. God wants obedience. Not in some dictatorial way. He doesn't want us to live by feelings. But by faith. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, I don't know, I'll probably get back a little bit later tonight. I don't know, I'll probably be so pumped by this incredible meeting that I was in tonight with me. But I'll, I'll be like awake. I'll be like, Lord, this stuff's too good. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, I did, Andy. Good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Not heard him mention that bit before. No, that was new, Andy. You know, I'll be up tonight. But tomorrow morning when I wake up, feel saved. I won't even probably feel human. But I am saved. I am human. I am loved. I am rejoined. I am back in Eden. I am forgiven. I am the top and not the tail. I am blessed and not cursed. I am joined and not separated. So it's one simple thing. Am I going to live in the good of that? Thank you, Lord.
Do you know what I do every morning? Can I let you into my sonic prayer that changes everything? It's so simple, it's ridiculous. If you've been around me any time, you know my favourite all-time verse is John 15. That's, I can preach that all day, all night, without a tea break. When I wake up in the morning, it's become fresh revelation to me again. I just simply pray this. Because it's almost like an umbilical prayer. Lord, you vine me branch. Lord, you know what's coming today. You know the stuff that lays ahead. You, you vine me branch. Lord, today my life is joined to you. Your word says that your life is now joined to me. Lord, the sap that's in you, the life that's in you, is in me, simply because I'm joined. It's like a baby can't argue. Because it's joined to its mother, it enjoys the life of a mother. It's no issue. It's not a check-up every now and then to see if they're still joined. They're joined until they're born. What if born again actually meant born again? And we're joined to God. We can know Him. In our sleep, you know, when I go to sleep at nights, I'm praying every night, Lord, speak to me in my dreams. Lord, speak to me in my dreams. Lord, the stuff you want to say to me, and I can't hear you because I'm stubborn when I'm awake. <laughs> Get me when I'm asleep, Lord. Give me dreams. Give me dreams. Because I don't unplug and say, see you in the morning, Lord. I've had things come against me. I've had fear come against me. But I couldn't afford to be unplugged for a minute. I would, I would, I would crumble. But the good news was the Lord didn't want me to be unplugged. Lo, I am with you always until the end of the he's, he's, he's with us. Okay, so what we're going to do tonight, we're just going to acknowledge what the Lord's done. No big song and dance. We're going to just all make a decision in our heart that we're going to live in the good of the gospel we're not going to preach it in theory we're going to live in the good of it and as we do the Holy Spirit's going to fill some people afresh tonight you know I've been praying every morning recently as well fill me again Holy Spirit because the Bible says don't be drunk with other things but be filled be being filled with the Holy Spirit I'm like alright I don't want to know that I want to do that so every morning I've been praying Lord fill me you're divine I'm the branch Fill me with your Holy Spirit again today, Lord. And do you know what? It must be real because he does. Would you just stand with me for a moment? I don't know everybody here. And I made an agreement with God ages ago that I'd always give opportunity for anyone that didn't know Christ, who hadn't yet been joined, to make that decision. So if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus or you've never been born again and you want to experience the kingdom of God, you want to experience the life of God, you can do that tonight. Jesus doesn't need a big flashy prayer. It's simple as I want you, Lord. I need you, Lord. It's as simple as that. Because in that you're acknowledging him as Lord and Saviour ruler, your future if you're here today let's just pray that together all together anyway you ready after three, just say after me Jesus, I want you I need you I take the gift of salvation I'm plugged back into you 
your Holy Spirit back into me. Thank you. Now just mind every eyes closed. If you're here and you've never prayed a prayer like that or you've never, you've never been born again, join to God. I want you just to lift your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Now I know pretty much everybody's prayed that prayer, but what if there's one that didn't? I've got to leave here tonight knowing everyone had the chance to pray that prayer. Everyone had the chance to get plugged in. All right. Now we're going to pray another prayer, and we're basically going to just, we're going to pray about living in the good of this now, because everyone in this room, according to your confession, belongs to God, is born again. That means that your life is now in Eden, and you're no longer living outside the walls of Eden in mere existence. All right. So God wants you to experience his life. He wants you to know it. wants you to feel it. wants you to enjoy it. I'm going to pray, and as I do, I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to lift weariness off of people. I'm not going to pray for anyone, because this is you and the God you're joined to, right? Because we're coming into a new day where it's not going to be a few people on stage. That's that day, so yesterday, that's like so last year. We're coming into a day where people know how to access God for themselves. Draw from God themselves. So we're going to just pray and then we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to be that sap that flushes in or rushes in to the branch of who you are. Him vine, you branch, Holy Spirit, life of the vine. All right. Father, I thank you tonight. But just as Apollos became aware that there was more than what he'd truly known and then was baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray tonight that men and women would be baptized in the Holy Spirit afresh. Not in something made by men, but based on every platform that we've laid tonight, Lord, according to what your word says is ours now. We thank you that we can know your life in us. So Father, right now I ask in Jesus' name that you would fill people afresh with your Holy Spirit and flush out fear, worry, anxiety, stress, unbelief, sickness, mental distress, depression, loneliness, everything else that's joined to the life of Adam. Let it be flushed out now. In Jesus' name, let the Holy Spirit flow into every man and woman that's hungry for God, that's hungry for more of God, who's hungry to experience the things God says is available. Father, let unbelief be flushed out of us. Let religion be flushed out of us. Oh, let apathy be flushed out of us, God. Let every old leaf of a former season fall from the branch of our life 
Let green leaves begin to grow. Let new life begin to flow. Let the branch come to life again. Let all weariness and fear and anxiety be gone as the Holy Spirit surges in the life of every man and woman that's desperate, hungry for more of God. God, we want to know the things we know, Father. We want to know the things we claim to know. We don't want to talk about them. We want to experience them. Let there be a surge of the Holy Ghost right now that breaks the power of depression, that breaks the power of perversity, that breaks the power of addiction, that breaks the power not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Right now, joy where there was misery. Life where there was death. Purity, rivers of God that are clean and pure and lovely and vibrant flowing through the limbs of who we are. Oh, one more time, lift your hands. Let the Holy Spirit just begin to flow. Same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. He'll quicken your mortal body. (laughs) The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. If He be in you, He will quicken you. He will quicken your mortal body. He will revive you. He will revive your soul. He will revive your physical body. He will prosper you. You will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers because of the infusion of the Spirit. True prosperity is the life of God. True prosperity is the life of God. It's the life of God flowing in to that which was once dead. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was separated, but now I'm joined. Holy Spirit, baptize people afresh. Lord, I pray an awakening. I pray an awakening. I pray an awakening on every man and woman that calls this church home. An awakening. An awakening. An awakening, God. An awakening on the inside. Give it to us, Lord. We won't be lazy. We won't be lazy. God will leave the four walls as they did in Acts. God, will live to change worlds. Just give us more, Lord, of your Spirit. Give us more flow of your Spirit. Yes, Lord. Come on, begin to thank Him for it now. Thank you. Just as you thanked Him for your salvation all those years ago, thank Him for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit tonight. Thank Him for a fresh touch. Come on, we're going to live in the good of this this week. We're going to be changed because of our time with Him tonight. Our time with Him tonight. We're going to be different this week. This has been time well spent. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit.
just as a branch is filled with the life of a vine to which is joined. Oh, be filled with the Holy Spirit out of your innermost being. Rivers of living life welling up, springing over. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to live in the good of all that we know you've done for us. Let our confession be our experience. Let what we say we believe be the manifestation of our life. There's a lady and you've had trouble sleeping. It's like there's been an attack on your sleep and the sleep is, the lack of sleep has been wearing you down. Who's that lady? Who's that lady? Give me a wave if that's you. All right. In Jesus' name right now, the Bible says he gives sleep to his beloved. He gives sleep to his beloved. Right now, I speak to that insomnia or that attack against your sleep that's been sent to wear you down and cause you to, to stay awake worrying. Gone! In Jesus' name right now. That lifts off of your life. It lifts off of your life. It lifts off of your life. It's a lady here called Mary. Mary. I'm hearing Mary. Could be first name, middle name, Mary. I'm hearing Mary. Is there a Mary here? Mary, Marie, Mary, Marie. So I'm hearing that name, Mary or Marie. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a severe sickness. So if this is a relative, I want you to grab it. If you've got a relative, it's Marie or Mary. Mary, I'm hearing Mary, Marie, Maria, Mary, Maria. It's, it's that type of name. And Lord wants to do something. He wants it. I'm just seeing bleach go into um, something that's contaminated and purifying it. Father, whoever that lady is, relation or parent or child or auntie, we receive that miracle for them, Lord. We receive that. Your omnipresence changes things beyond the walls that we're living within. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your life. Let it continue to flow as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give the Lord some praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Andy. Coming and bringing God's word. Got some books at the back. I've already got mine. Got some here. Have a great rest of your evening. Keep living in who you are. Don't ever forget who you are. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for each person, each family represented. Father, we thank you that your life is within each and every one of us. The power of heaven. Father, thank you for Pastor Andy and his family, his ministry. For I pray your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen.